First off, um, one of the things that I really enjoy doing because I so appreciate our, our veterans and those who are serving in the military now is uh, when I'm in airports, I don't care where I am, I'll, I'll try to buy people lunch or whatever if I see them there. Because um, I so appreciate the fact that I get to stand up here and preach and not have someone tell me what I can and cannot do, what I can and cannot say, how I can and cannot worship. And it's because the people who have fought for this country for years, from the very beginning, and um, and if if you have been in the military, would you just please just stand for a moment so we can acknowledge you? Just please do that. Stand up in the military. I try to teach my son Joshua, and I, t- I taught the girls the same thing, um, just how much we, we need to appreciate and respect those in the military, um, all different services, because, uh, because of what they do for us. And if you, you read history, the amount of people who've suffered and died and, and given their lives, um, even, even the emotional strain that it causes to be even in a war or in, in that situation, it, 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 it demands respect. It commands respect. So we want to say that we love you and we thank you so much for, for all that you've done. A couple of other quick, uh, just, just some updates here. Um, if you're here for the first time, and I'm trying, to do this, <clears throat> I'm trying to do this now to have a little, bit of a, family, a little bit of a family time together so we can talk about some things. I may not do this every single week, but I, I kind of like it doing it now instead of the beginning. Um, because notoriously, just forget today, notoriously our church people are just late. They, they, they do that. I'm going to start giving out money in the very beginning. Um, you know, <laughs> like the first five people win, like, you know, I'll do that for a couple of weeks and people will pile in, you know. I get an iPod, first ten people. <laughs> They're not going to work, but you'll get one. Um, if you're here for the first time, this is your family news bulletin. Inside your family news bulletin, there is a welcome card. We would love it if you'd fill that welcome card out. And the Welcome Center is right behind this wall. Take it there. Uh, put it in the little box out there. And we have a very special gift for you. It's great to have you here. Also, if you look in your family news bulletin, there's a little card. I think, it's, uh, I, think I had it here somewhere. It's the Walk for Water. Uh, it's July 2nd, I believe. Yeah, July 2nd is our, our second annual Walk for Water. And this is where, you know, people can, you know, they walk and they get people to sponsor them. And uh, we raised enough money last year to dig another well. And uh, just to give you an update, we've, dig, we've dug we've, um, about 105 wells that we've been able to dig since we started. Absolutely. Ah, seriously. That's servicing probably 70,000 or more people. Now, if you do the statistics and look at that um, over the course of years, that's thousands of lives that will be saved because people are drinking clean water uh, instead of disgusting water. Real quick story. I, uh, well... I somehow got a, of some water back from Nigeria, and uh, I don't know how I did it, but I did. And I gave it to someone at a, a larger company, and they had that water tested for me out of the stream that people go and get water from, uh, uh, you know, to use. And the person told me, you could have died three different ways by drinking this water. That's how disgusting the water was. I don't care if you boil it. You know, people get thirsty, and the kids will go down there and drink. Um, <clears throat> kids dying all the time because of disgusting, dirty water. But this is an opportunity for us. 
um, to be a part of making a difference. So make sure that you check out the Walk for Water. If you love to walk or run, it's, you know, it's, it's for anyone who wants to be involved in it. And we just get sponsors and we raise enough money to, deal, to, drig, uh, to dig another well for people. And it's the borehole, too. It's not just a well. It's a borehole so the water is clean. You and I could drink it. But it's exciting. So the second annual one is July the 2nd. Um, Let's see what other things I have here. Uh, yeah, update, real quick update on the building. I'm not going to try to do this. I'm not going to do this every Sunday, but in the beginning here, I just want to give you an update because this is kind of exciting. We were trying to raise $48,000 to finish off the front section, um, and then another probably um, 45 or so thousand dollars to finish off the back section. We're actually at, of the 48,000 we have to raise to finish the front. We're at 44. So in two weeks, we basically yeah, amen. <laughs> Amen. And I was I was just talking to different groups who would like to use it. And out of three groups so far that we're looking at saying one school and two other groups, soccer clubs and those kinds of things that would like to use it. um, Those just those three groups, just those three groups. I said 700 to 1000 would bring in 1200 kids, students per week to the campus. It's not including any, anyone else who uses the facility. 1,200 people coming here and having us having an opportunity just to minister and build into their lives. It's just wonderful. So that's obviously not the last number, but you know, it's one of those things where you have something other people want, which is large field space, indoor field space. This is going to be a fantastic opportunity for us to make a difference in our community, and we're going to use it to, to that end. So, yeah, we're, we're 4,000. Um, and I, at first service, I didn't check the board, but before first service, we were 4,000 short. I know for a fact that we're only 3,000 short because someone said, hey, I just grabbed a, a half a block. So we're 3,000. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a problem for us to get to, to nail that and get rid of that first part. We're going to move on that, and then it's the second, it's, this, it's the back part we're going to be uh, raising for now. But we're going to start, we're going to by faith start working on the back section and starting June 1st. Because if we don't start on work, we don't start work on it, we're not going to finish it by October 15th or so when we want to finish it. So God's been good to us. Everything's going really, really well, and we're going to be working on the parking lot hopefully in the next two weeks, so you'll see some dramatic changes on the outside of our facility as well. That's all good. It's all good. Hey, we're in, we're in a series called Wise Up. Um, I, I'm telling you, I love the book of Proverbs. I always have. So for us to go through this for the entire summer, it's going to be totally amazing. Love it. And this morning, we're going to continue our series and Wise Up. And I, I want us to look at how we can live a wise life. Okay, we're talking about Proverbs. Proverbs talks about wisdom and knowledge and discernment and all those good things. So how do we live a wise life? And how do we avoid some of the pitfalls, some of the struggles, some of the mistakes that other people make in their lives. I mean, just look around you and you can see that people make huge mistakes. And you say to yourself sometimes, that wasn't too smart or that wasn't too wise. And you're, you're right on target. They're making decisions that are not very wise and they're causing themselves a lot of problem. If you'd say, boy, you, boy, if you could have thought about that one again, if I could do that one over again, you look at other people and you're saying, wow, I mean, that, they're not using all the faculties that God has given them. And the reality is they're not living a wise life. Last week we said wisdom, I love this, is the art of skillful living by understanding God's created order. It's living with the grain and not against it. Okay, God has a certain grain he's laid out. So it's living with God's grain and not against it. It's that skillful living, the art of skillful living 
by understanding God's created order. God has laid it all out. He's created everything. And within that created order, if we live along with the created order, life is going to be a lot less difficult than if we live it the way we choose to live it. So we're going to talk about how do we do that? How do we do that? In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. In this verse, Full, I mean, knowledge, wisdom, and discernment, okay, discipline, are all being used to describe the same thing. So if we, in, in a lot of verses, you'll take knowledge, wisdom, and, and they'll mean something different. In this verse, knowledge, wisdom, and discipline are all describing the same thing. Remember we said a couple of weeks ago that, that Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 is really the foundation for the entire book. All the wise sayings that we, we hear in Proverbs come back to this foundation. All right? So what I want to do is I want to look at this verse. I'll answer a lot of the questions you've had in your life in the past. You know, what does it mean to fear the Lord? And that's one of the first things I want to talk about. When we, when we, dis, when we take this verse apart, one of the first things that, one of the first words that jump out at you is fear. The word fear. Well, the Hebrew word fear has one of three meanings. It can mean it can mean a respect, uh, terror, or uh, or worship. Okay, so as one of three meanings, when you look at this, when you see the word fear in the Bible, it means terror, it means respect, or it means worship. Well, first off, we can kind of throw the idea of terror out the window here because it would be inconsistent with the idea of trusting God. We want to trust God. And, I, and as one thing I learned as a pastor, I've worked with a lot of people who went through abuse in their lives, and I can tell you this. People who went through abuse don't trust the person that they're afraid of, that they're terrified of. There's no trust there. If someone has abused you in the past and you have, uh, and, and, and you know you you want to have that relationship, there's just no trust. So the person who's terrified you is not the person that you trust. So the meaning here is closer to respect or or worship. So if we look at this verse, fear the fear of the Lord, in this verse, and in most verses that you look at in the Bible, it has to do with a, a reverent worship of God. It's 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 awe of God. It's a reverence for God. It's a worship for God. So when the Bible talks about you know fear in the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and it has that that connotation, you're saying, well, what is that? Does that mean I have to walk around ducking God from God? I have to be I have to be terrified of God? No, it's talking about a reverence. It's talking about an awe of God. It's talking about how we reverently worship God, this desire that we have to make God everything in our lives. So we have this reverent worship of God. So the fear of the Lord, that's what it means. When you see that, don't, you know, usually, usually what I just described is what the Bible is talking about. The second word that jumps out at at us is the word Lord. Okay, when you see the word Lord in capital, all capital letters in your English Bible, Behind that translation is that usually, almost all the time, all the time, is the Hebrew word Yahweh. Yahweh. Yahweh is God's personal name. It's God's personal name to Israel in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a special covenant name that God has, and he has that relationship with his people. All designations, all the other designations in the Old Testament, what we, we see are really were titles for God, but Yahweh is actually God's name, God's specific name. And so from what we understand, if we take the word Yahweh, what does that mean? We see Lord, okay, that means Yahweh. What does Yahweh mean? Yahweh, as much as we can understand, means the, the, the self-existent one. 
the I am. Okay, that idea of I am. And you've some of you heard that before. Remember in, in, in Exodus chapter three, verses 13 and 14, it says this. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I say, what, what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God's name, I am, the I am, the self-existent one, Yahweh. When, when, when we connect the word fear, okay, as we're going through this, as we connect the word fear with God's personal name, we have our first principle of wisdom. You want to be wise? You say, I want, to, I want to live a wise life. Who doesn't want to live, honestly, a wise life? You can avoid so many problems. So if we're saying, I want to live a wise life, I want to avoid the pitfalls and mistakes that my friends are making in junior high or in high school. I want to, make the, I want to avoid the mistakes that, that my peers are making at work, the decisions they make in, in their personal lives. I want to avoid those things. So how can I do that? Well, the first, first principle of wisdom is a, a wise person is a worshiper of the one true God. You need to be a worshiper of the one true God. To live wisely, the first thing we need to do is have a personal relationship with God. You need to have that relationship. As wisdom is described here in the Bible, if you don't have that relationship with Christ, if you don't have that relationship with God through Christ, then you're not going to be able to live a wise life. The phrase, fear of Yahweh, means more than just believing in some God out there somewhere. You know, oh, I believe in God, you know, somewhere out there's a God. God's watching over me from a distance, wherever. Remember that song, you know, I'm, God is watching us from a distance. It's more than some God out there who's watching us from a distance. Fear of Yahweh means a special kind of relationship. It's a covenant relationship. It's a relationship built on mutual trust and commitment. So there's something deeper here. In the Old Testament, this relationship came through the covenant God had through Moses with the nation of Israel. So you have that covenant relationship. When Jesus Christ came into the world, Jesus Christ brought a a new covenant, a, a, a new way to think. He opened the door for all to have a personal, authentic relationship with God. So Jesus enters the picture and he and he opens the door for everyone to have this, this personal, authentic relationship with God. And how do we have it? We have it through our relationship through Jesus Christ. We become reverent worshipers of God by trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, believing that his death and resurrection ushers us into the presence of God, into that relationship with God the Father. So this is our first principle here. We need to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So but before, before we, can, we can seek to live wisely, we really need to know the author, the author of all wisdom personally. Who is the one who gives wisdom? God is the one who gives wisdom. How can we receive that wisdom? We need to have a personal relationship. If, if I know there's a wise person that you're, you, you've heard of, okay, one of the wisest people in the world, how do, you, how do you gain wisdom from that person? If they haven't written a book or anything else, you build a relationship with them. You gain a relationship. You build that intimate relationship and that person pours out into your life. You need a personal relationship with God so that God can pour out into your life the wisdom that he has for each one of us. Now, let me stop there and make a disclaimer. Not all Christians are wise. 
Shocking, I know. All of you are like just dumbfounded. You can't believe it, but it's, it's true. I just need to be honest, you know. If you're, if you're here and you've never really come to church for the first time, you say, you're, you're thinking to yourself, you know, I have enough wisdom to figure out that not every Christian I've ever met is wise. And you'd be absolutely right. You'd be absolutely right. Not every Christian, not every Christian is wise. You, you, can, you can trust Jesus as Lord and Savior and lack the kind of life skills expected from true biblical wisdom. You can have that relationship and you still fall short when it comes to being wise. I mean, it, it doesn't take a mental giant to look around churches all over the world and realize that Christians are not always making the wisest decisions on how they handle things. So it's not, you know, it's a, you know, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't just automatically make you wise. I wish it did. We, boy, I, my life would be really easy if that were the case. As a pastor, you know, you accept Jesus and you become wise and you just, and you make all the right, you know, you have discernment and you, you can figure out this person's just trying to, you know, create dissension within the church because you're just discerning. You're saying, you know, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and you just need to be quiet because, you know, that's, be, wouldn't that be great? I wouldn't have to deal with anything. You just kind of call each other out because you're so discerning. But the other person was basically a Christian too, so they wouldn't even do that, so he wouldn't have any problems at all. So, but that's just not the case and I have to deal with what I have to deal with. I love you. I'm just kidding. All right. A relationship with God obviously is a prerequisite to biblical wisdom, but we can't just stop there. Obviously, okay, so we have that relationship with God. We ask Christ into our lives. That's a prerequisite. But if we stop there, we're in all kinds of trouble. We're in all kinds of trouble. We need to take that, that, that next step. To live wisely, you need to pursue wisdom with passion. Okay, you need to, you need to go after it. Now, are you all, are you all, are you all awake here? All right, everybody awake? Say yes. All right, we're all awake, so you need, to, you need to get this one. You just can't, you know, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of life and then just kind of relax and hope by osmosis while you're sleeping or whatever that wisdom just pours into you and you can just sit back and not really, not really go after it. You need to kind of, I don't know, in, our, in our, our vocabulary, we need to go after it. We need to, you know, seize it, you know, chase it, whatever you, word you want to use. But we need to pursue Wisdom with passion. Look at, look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Listen what it says. Wisdom is supreme. Get these words. Wisdom is supreme. This is supreme, okay? Nothing more important than chasing after this. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have. Are those not extreme words? Supreme. Chase after it. Though it cost you all that you have, get understanding. Esteem her. And she will exalt you, embrace her, and she will honor you. Look at the, look at, look, do you see the emphasis? Get wisdom, get understanding, esteem it, embrace it. Whatever it takes, sell all you have, give all that you have with all the energy in your whole entire being. Go after it. Go after wisdom. Why? Honestly, because you cannot fulfill the will of God for your life unless you have wisdom. You say, what is God's will for my life? I don't know what God's will for my life. I don't understand God's will for my life. Hmm, maybe we would understand God's will for our lives better if we were wiser, if we had more discernment. We could, we could really, we could understand the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts more. We would, we would, the word of God would be even more illuminated than it is already to, in our lives because we would have greater wisdom and God's will would be understood in a greater way because we would, we would have that kind of wisdom that comes from God. So we have to go after it. We have to embrace it. One of the most important things in life we can do is pursue wisdom. Go after it. Get it. 
get it. It's, it's more important than fame and money and power. You say, well, we're Christians. We don't grant their fame, money, and power. That's ridiculous. We spend more time at whatever level you want to you put yourself in, whatever category. We spend so much more time going after money, power, and fame, authority, whatever you want to use it, whatever categories you want to put those three things. We spend so much more time pursuing those things in wisdom. It's not even, it's not even funny. It's not even close. But we need, to, we need to pursue wisdom much more than fame, money, and power. Why? Because, with, listen, without wisdom, fame, money, and power become a trap. They're not wrong, but without wisdom, they become wrong. They become a trap, and they destroy people's lives. I mean, how many examples? I could roll, everyone could come up on stage and give me ten examples of how you've seen fame, money, and power destroy people's lives that you know personally or just people that you admire in, in the media or whatever. How their lives are completely destroyed, and you say, why does she keep driving with her kid without a seatbelt on? You know what I mean? And, you know, whatever these famous people are, it's like, why do they keep getting caught doing it? Why do they? They have fame. They have they have they have they have money, but they have no wisdom. And the fame, money and power become a trap that destroys their lives because they have no wisdom without wisdom. They live their lives against the grain. Remember, we talked about it. They're living their lives against the grain. They don't know any different. They can't, you know, they, they, these people go back into court over and over and over again. If I were the judge, I'd just be like, sweetie, you, you know, you need to get with someone who has a little bit of wisdom, okay, and just sit and listen because you're, 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 you're a fool and I love you, but you're a fool. And you need, you need someone to come alongside of you and give you and impart that. It's difficult because these people are living against God's grain. They don't have that relationship. They're living against the grain. They're not living according to God's created order. And that's causing most of their problems. Now, listen, on the other side of the coin, you add wisdom, add wisdom to, to, to fame, money, and power, okay? And you can still live according to, to God's created order. You can do that. You avoid all the corruption. You avoid the pitfalls. There's nothing wrong with being famous. Nothing wrong with it. If you're wise, you use your fame to glorify God. You use your fame to, to use, use it to, to uh, enhance um, movements or things that are important to you, like you know, clean water. Or these, You see these people who have fame, and they use their fame to invest in the lives of other people. Money, nothing wrong with being rich. If you have wisdom and you have money, look at the impact you can have on the kingdom of God and people's lives in your own family and around the world. If you have wisdom and you have authority or power, look what the influence you can have on people's lives because you can influence, you can use that power, you can use that authority to make a difference and enhance people's lives. There's nothing wrong with fame, money, and power. Without wisdom, it becomes a a trap to destroy people's lives. With wisdom, it can be used in such a way that the world can be totally transformed. See the difference? It's just a total difference. Let me share a few other examples. Drinking without wisdom leads people to become addicted. Wisdom, I mean, if you don't have, if you're drinking without wisdom, you can become addicted. You have, you're more, it's more an addiction fact. You say, well, nothing wrong with drinking. The Bible says you have to have wine, blah, blah. I don't have any problem. That's not my issue. My issue, if you have no wisdom and discernment, that becomes a trap that can literally destroy your life. 
So something, if it's, again, something like that can become something that becomes a pitfall for someone and they're dragged in. Let me give you another example. Having a specific talent or gift without wisdom can make you arrogant and cause all kinds of problems. You know, the, the, the people that I have found uh, that I like to work with the least sometimes are the Christians who are the most talented and the most gifted. You know why? Here's been my experience, not all the time, but many, many times this has happened in my experience as a pastor. People find out what their gifts are and their talents are before they become spiritually mature. They don't really have a lot of wisdom, but they figured out what their gift or talent was. And before they know it, they're using that gift and talent to glorify themselves and not to glorify God. But they're doing it in the context of the church or Christianity. And that's where you get spiritual abuse from. That's where people become spiritually abusive because they have the gift, they have the talent. All the Christians sit back and go, oh, that person's amazing. They're so gifted at this. They're so gifted at that. They have to be spiritual. No, they don't. They just figured out what their gift and talent was. But they're not mature enough to be humble and use it in a godly way. And they go around hurting everyone else. Why do you sit back sometimes and go, man, that guy was a a pastor of a church of 19,000 people. And he found out blah, 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 blah. He was blah, 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 and blah. And you're all disappointed. And we all get disappointed. I get frustrated. But we all get disappointed. Part of the problem is a person figured out what their gifts and talents were before they had the spiritual maturity, before they asked God for wisdom. Once they figured out what their gift and talent was, they should have begged God for wisdom to use it. Billy Graham would get down on his knees almost every single day and pray that God wouldn't keep him from being arrogant or proud. You know why? Because the guy had wisdom. He knew better. He knew that with that gift that he had to draw hundreds of thousands of people to a stadium that if he was not wise and he was not discerning and God did not humble his heart, he would become an arrogant no good. And that's the end of that story. And he, he knew better. He knew better. And he would pray that God made him humble. Keep me humble, Lord, all the time because he had wisdom. He had wisdom. All right, think about the person, for example, who receives an abundance of money. If you receive an abundance of money and you don't have wisdom, you can become a selfish person. You can be really selfish. Someone, somehow you come into a large sum of money and without wisdom to guide you on how to use that money, you become selfish. And all the people with no money are thinking, yeah, you tell them, Pastor, those people with lots of money, they become selfish. Well, how about having your basic needs met all the time over and over again? If you don't have wisdom and someone's meeting your basic needs over and over again, you can become a lazy sluggard. That's why I worry sometimes about all the entitlements in our country. I think it's good to help people. But if you're helping someone become a lazy sluggard, that's not good. A person, a person who is constantly given something to meet all their basic needs so they no longer have the desire to get up and do what God has gifted them, called them, and, and, and purposed them to do, that's not good. That's not good at all. And if you don't watch out, if someone's meeting your basic needs all the time and you don't have wisdom to realize, God, now I need these resources now, but what is my plan to go from here to here? How can you use this time in my life and you don't have the wisdom and discernment? You become a lazy slugger. It's not a bad thing for people to help other people. Not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But without wisdom, it becomes a problem. It's a good thing when you come into a large sum of money. But without wisdom, it can become a bad thing. 
Wisdom. Seek wisdom. Go after wisdom. Embrace wisdom. Chase after wisdom. Why? Because it plays into every single area of our lives. So how can we passionately pursue wisdom of this kind? Well, we start by asking God for it. Got to ask God for it, okay? So you say, okay, first thing I need to do, I need to ask God for it, all right? So write that down in your head. Write it down wherever you want to. James 1, 5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, that's us, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So the first step in growing in wisdom, the first thing you need to do is recognize that you have a problem, right? Now we're going to be in like this little session here. We all came here to, to, to confess, all right? So we, we say, first off, I have a problem, okay? So my name is Jeff, and I, I have a problem. You say, hi, Jeff. Yeah, my name is Jeff. I have a problem, and my problem is that I, I lack wisdom. I just lack wisdom. See, that gives me encouragement. Right? See, we need to come in like that and just say, hey, I, got some, I have a problem. You have a problem. Next thing you do is you just admit that problem and say, God, I need your help. I, my name is Jeff, and I lack wisdom, and I need some wisdom from you, Lord. And then it's like, okay, now that's the first thing we do. So often we lack wisdom because we don't have the humility to ask God for it. You know, it's like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm all right, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm a wise, no, 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 no. If, if you have wisdom, ask for more. If you have none, ask for some, you know, uh, whatever it is, just keep asking. God says, if you ask for it, I'll give it to you. So, you know, we need, we, need to be, we need to be humble and ask God for it. So the first thing we need to do is recognize that we're not wise, in our, you know, we're maybe wise in our own eyes, but we're not wise according to the things of God, and we need to ask God for that. Second, we need to, the second way to pursue wisdom, is to is to read the Bible, read the Word of God, read it. If we really want to be wise, if you you cannot be wise, you cannot grow in wisdom, okay, and not know the Word of God. Impossible. We've got to discipline ourselves to read the Word of God, to know the Word of God. And I say that we make a commitment this morning that every single one of us in our own hearts and minds before God and each other, we all commit to reading the book of Proverbs in the next month, month and a half. And if you're a fast reader and you have some more time, then read it two or three times. Just keep reading over and over and over again. Let's commit before God in your minds right now to say, Lord, I'm going to read the book of Proverbs in the next month, month and a half. I'm going to read through the whole book, and if I have time, I'm going to read it twice. We need to read the Word of God. The third way to pursue wisdom is to develop the art of of observation. This is so huge, and Christians just completely miss it. Develop the art of observation. Remember I said last week, we talked about that God used wisdom to lay the earth's foundations, and, and, and the world around us bears wisdom's fingerprints. So God used wisdom to lay the foundation of the earth, and, and the world bears God's fingerprints. Remember we used the analogy of uh, Walt Disney? We said that the designers of Walt Disney World would, would hide hidden Mickey ears all over the rides and attractions because they wanted, they wanted Walt Disney's you know, his, his creation, his vision, to, to have his fingerprints all over it. He was gone. He, he died, didn't get to see the fruition of all that he had envisioned and created. And so they put hidden Mickey ears everywhere to, 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 to have, make sure that Walt Disney's fingerprints were all over uh, his, uh, his rides and attractions. So, you know, that, that's, you got to think about this. Now, if we, 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 we said that all, all of it, if we look at God's creation, okay, that all of creation 
if we look at all of creation, we recognize that God created all things, then we can see, we begin to see and understand wisdom because God's fingerprints are everywhere. Everywhere you look, you see God's fingerprints. If you start to use your, ob- your, your skill of observation to look around, I want, look, and you're trying to grow in wisdom. How do you do that? Look at God's created order. Within God's created order, you will see God's fingerprints on everything. God's fingerprints are everywhere. Now, God didn't reveal all of this, all these wise things in the book of Proverbs through, through visions and dreams and an audible voice. You know, the guy's walking down, he's walking down the street, and he's, you know, he's got a pen in his hand, and you know, he's trying to, okay, Lord, I want to I I be wise, so tell me. And he says, see that guy over there doing absolutely nothing? Yeah, I see him. Okay. He's called a sluggard. A sluggard. How do you spell that? Sluggard. Okay, I'll write that down. You know, that's, not, that's not how God did it. It's not how God did it. I'll tell you, this is, you know, instead of, instead of God revealed, okay, God revealed the, these, these, this wisdom through people's observation skills. God has, again, let's go back. God created all things and God is saying, look at the world around you. My fingerprints are on everything. Observe, learn, understand, gain wisdom just from being observant in the, by the world that I've created. Look at, look at Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. It's a great example. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of a man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. Listen, I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. Okay? That leads into one of our favorite verses. It says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, like an armed man. So you've heard that second part before. The first part, okay, how did he, how did he come to you? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. If you sit around and do absolutely nothing, your walls will crumble in, your house will get a leaky roof, the water will come through, your house will be trashed. If you sit around and do nothing, you're... A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding. How did he come about? How did, how did that come about? I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of a man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. God created, God's creation has his fingerprints all over it. Look, be aware, see Embrace it. Most proverbs came from careful observation combined with inspired reflection. Careful observation combined with inspired reflection. As God speaks to our hearts. Did you notice that? Yes, I noticed that, Lord. You see that happening over and over again? Yeah, I see that happen over and over again. It seems like, Lord, if the person sits around and does absolutely nothing, then the lives will become the ruin. Little sleep. You know, the guy always wants to sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, kind of just resting out in the front porch, and his house is falling apart around him. His vineyards are going to the ground. His walls have crumbled. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Careful observation, inspired reflection, and you have that wisdom. Proverbs teaches us to pay careful attention to the world around us. Listen, 
watch how people live their lives and how they respond in certain situations. You want to be a really, if you're really, you're on high school, junior high here, you want to be a really good mom or a really good dad, obviously read the word of God and it'll show you, it'll tell you how to do some of those things. But you know what I did as well? I found out, I would watch people and, the, and, and they, had, they had like teenagers who were like respectful, not perfect, no one's perfect, but respectful, love their parents. I would, I'd start watching them. If I had people who were screaming bloody murder at their parents across the parking lot, I hate your guts, blah, blah, blah. I watched them too, but I watched them for a different reason. I watched parents who were very good at parenting. I watched them, and I gained wisdom, and I gained knowledge from them that I applied to my own life. I took the word of God. I said, you know, it makes sense. They seem to be following the word of God and how they parent. Therefore, their kids turn out this way, blah, blah, blah. Now, now it doesn't always happen that way. You could, you could be a great parent and do all the right things and blah, blah, blah. And a, a person's going to turn out sometimes, you know, they, they're their own person at a certain age. They're going to choose their own path. But again, principally, overall, I was able to study people who lived a certain way, and it seemed that they worked out. So we, we, you know, watch how people live and how they respond to certain situations. What kind, what kind of consequences come from certain actions? Hmm. Seems to me every time that person or people, anyone, chooses to do that, that's what ha- that, that consequence usually happens. Over and over and over again, I watch it. You choose this behavior, and something negative usually happens, unless they're very fortunate. So let's see, maybe I won't do that behavior. Maybe I won't try that, because it seems to me, eight out of ten people who try it, two of them are fortunate and don't get the consequence, but the other eight get nailed. So maybe I shouldn't do that. If, if someone tells you you're walking through the woods to jump over that log and avoid that pit, okay, why would you, why would you not avoid the log and jump into the pit? If someone told you the opposite, you, you've observed somebody getting into that kind of trouble. So use your observation to see what kind of consequences come from any particular action. Why is it that some people seem to excel and other people don't? Now, again, there's always reasons, but in general, observe the world around you that God created because a lot of people who excel are going along with God's created order. They're going with the grain, not against it. And those who do not, I'm not just talking about rich, becoming rich and famous. I'm talking about people whose lives are the kind of lives that you would want to live. They have peace. They have joy. They have contentment. And yes, they have happiness much of the time. How do they have that? Most people, no, I, all people who have contentment, joy, and peace in their lives, okay, all people who have that in their lives consistently are living with God's grain, not against it, and they're, work, they're working according to God's created order, not against it. Simple as that. All, everyone who has peace, joy, and contentment in their lives, all are living according to God's created order and living with the grain and not against it. So we have to observe. A final way that we can pursue wisdom is we need to study. We need to be students of history. Students of history. Okay? Now, there are many cultures, and you've seen this. I'm not shocking anyone. There are many cultures with similar sayings as to what we find in Proverbs. You know, you go online, you, ask for, you, look for, you look for like inspiring quotes or whatever else, and there's this proverb from this culture or that proverb from this culture. It's not the same thing, obviously. But, you know, you'll, you'll see many times there are similar sayings in different cultures. Now, I would not be surprised at all if, if King Solomon's, in his reign, 
when, when Israel was becoming more influential, that they came across some of the wise sayings of the Egyptians or other, other nations that they were interacting with. That's good. You know, they're looking, they're watching, they're seeing, they're observing, and they're coming across these things. Because remember, in, our, in, a, in a biblical worldview, in a Christian worldview, there's no such thing as secular Okay, the word secular. Oh, the secular sacred. In a biblical worldview, there's no such word as secular. I mean, everybody's asking me who I wasn't here a few weeks ago. They say, why do you keep bringing this up? If you want to understand what I mean between there's no such thing as secular, there's no secular sacred thing going on here in the Christian worldview, there's a, there's a sermon we did called Erase the Lines about a month or so, a month or more back. It's called Erase the Lines. Please go get that and listen to it. Okay, because if something is not sinful... In a Christian worldview, it's what? Sacred. Exactly. If it's not sinful, it's sacred. If it's not wrong, okay, then it's okay for us to embrace it. It's okay. So if we're we're opening our eyes and 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 we're being good students of history and we're looking at history across different cultural lines, we can embrace what is true and right and good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. If, if, listen, if, if someone says something that's true or right or good, does it really matter where it came from? And if, and, and if it came from whatever, we, if, if it's true and right and good, then we can embrace it and use it in our lives. Because if it's not, if it's not sinful, it's sacred. God r- runs it all. He owns it all, okay? If it's sinful, we don't do it. If it's sacred, we do do it. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. You're walking and someone says to you, hey, see that big black and white dog over there? That dog's nasty, it's mean, and it's bitten like five people. And you're walking with your friend and saying, you, you, you two Christians are walking down saying, you, you say to your friend, is that guy a Christian? He says, no, I don't think so. <laughs> what does he know then? What does he know about dogs, big, mean, black and white dogs? Let's go play with the dog. Let's go pet that dog. I mean, does it really matter where the information came from? Does it really matter where that, where that, where that came as long as it's As long as it's true and right and good, it doesn't matter. You know, it's okay it came from a person who maybe isn't a follower of Jesus Christ right now. All right? Because maybe he walked by and a dog grabbed him by the leg, you know what I mean, and dragged him in the, you know, the backyard. It's okay to, if the person says that just because they're not a follower of Jesus, it's okay to embrace what they said. If it's an observation that's true, then it doesn't really matter where they got the information, right? It's okay. If it's not sinful, it's sacred. Right. So if someone tells you the big black and white dog's nasty and it's going to bite you, don't ask if they're a Christian. Just don't go near the dog. Um, you accept what is right and true and good and you reject any saying or idea that is inconsistent with a biblical worldview. All right? Let me say that again. You accept what is true and right and good and you reject any saying or idea or whatever you want to call it that is inconsistent, that is opposed to a biblical worldview. It's as simple as that. Nothing wrong, my friends, nothing wrong with taking what is true and right and using it in your, in your life. We accept those things that are true and right. We reject those things that are not. So, so we, can do, we can do that by, in a few ways. Let me, let me just throw one way out. We need to be reading a variety of, a variety of, of sources, it's a good thing. Well, I don't want to read that because that's not, that didn't come out of like Zondervan or whatever. We can't read that book. That's come, you know. Listen, read a variety of historical sources. It's okay to do that. Let me tell you why. Because there's wisdom. You can find bits and pieces of truth and goodness and, and all those things and, and something that's right within that. But here's another reason, okay? Here's another reason. 
When you understand someone else's perspective and you have wisdom, you ask God, God, give me wisdom, and you understand another person's perspective, God will show you how to interact with that person on a level where it's not like a conflict, but you can just interact and talk. So you want to understand how to learn how to engage people in a, in a good biblical conversation or when they ask you a question, I, don't, I never understood this about God, and, but you understand their perspective, where they're coming from. If you're well-read, you understand their, their worldview, their perspective, and you can better speak to where they're coming from. Does that make sense? All right, so that's, that's why it's so important. So we want to read a variety of sources, and then we want to listen carefully. Listen, listen, open your ears, you know, close our mouths, Open our ears, listen carefully, be observant, look around you, observe the world, what's going on. So take all of that in and and look for wisdom wherever you can find it. Look for it wherever you can find it. I'm going to go back again. Why? Why? Wisdom, the art of skillful living within God's created order, going with the grain, not against, God against it. God created everything. It's not sinful, it's sacred. So look for wisdom wherever you can find it. You'll find it in some of the most amazing places sometime. That God gives you that knowledge and that discernment, that wisdom in some of the most amazing places. And, you know, and I'll tell you one last thing. If you're questioning whether it's true or right or should I believe it, I'm not really sure because I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, then you, you compare it to the Word of God. If, the word, if it agrees with the Word of God, it's true. If it disagrees with the Word of God, it's not true, and you don't want to use it, which means, which means you need to know the Word of God, which is something we all, many Christians now are lacking because we just don't read anymore. We're not reading what we should be reading. Read all these other sources, it's great, but make sure your foundation is right here. Let me close with this, this story kind of fits right in with this whole idea of going with the grain. I, this past week, someone came into my office I'd known for 15 years, still a young, still a young person, came into my office. And in the, in the years that I've known this person, they have been going against the grain. And you guys know what I'm talking about because some of you guys right now are going against the grain. You really are. You're not living, you're not living with the grain, with, with what God would have you do. You're not living, okay, God, according to God's created order. This person that I was talking to was not living according to God's created order, and he was going against the grain all the time. He would come into church and literally be, I mean, his face was like emaciated. It was black under his eyes. His hair kind of looked kind of nasty. I don't mean unkept, but just you could just tell the difference. Um, his skin was, was even kind of messed up. I don't mean acne or whatever. I just mean it just it had a, it had a kind of a, a look to it. And and he and when he would he would take a job. Only jobs he would take were jobs where he could just sit there and not use his mind because he really couldn't think that well. He was constantly high on something. He was always high on something. Comes into my office this past week and stands there, stands up straight, looks me right in the eye. His his physical appearance was nothing short of miraculous. He looked 10 years younger. It was incredible. His eyes were bright. The whites of his eyes were bright. His hair looked different. His skin, his skin looked different. Everything about him, the way he stood, the way he looked, he, gained, he had gained some weight. He didn't look emaciated anymore. And not only that, he's talking to me about how he wants to pursue a youth pastor's position. He had gotten healthy. He had gotten off the addicted. He was very addicted. He was an addicted personality. He'd gotten off of those things. And now he wanted to use the mind that God has given him and the 
spiritual maturity that he achieved over the last year and a half. And he wanted to use that by maybe getting engaged in with some students where he could help them and help them understand the addictive process and how it destroys your life. And I'm sitting back, listening to him, I'm watching him going, I'm going to preach on this on Sunday. And here's a guy who was going against the grain, not with it. Here's a guy who wasn't living according to God's created order, but he was going against God's created order. Now he's going with God's created order and he's going with the grain and the person is is physically, emotionally, and spiritually transformed. Amazing. Amazing. Why? Because he gained wisdom. He gained wisdom. He gained understanding. He gained discernment. And through that, he was changed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It took him a year or so, but I'm telling you, this is a different human being. It is incredible to see. And it was a microcosm of every single one of our lives and the world in which we live, watching people live against God's grain, watching people not go along with God's created order, and seeing them make the most horrendous, horrible, life-changing, family-changing mistakes. Why? Because they don't have wisdom. Because they lack wisdom, because they lack discern, discernment, because they lack God's knowledge that he wants to give every single one of us. God can make a difference in our lives, but first we have to seek out wisdom with all of our hearts. Seek it out. It'll cost you everything. Though You know what? It'll cost you your popularity. Seek it out. Seek out wisdom. Though it cost you your popularity in school, it's more important than your popularity. It's more important than your wealth. It's more important than your fame. It's more important than your authority, your power. It's more important than any, your reputation, whatever you want to, whatever it is. Wisdom is more important. Seek it out. Go after it. Embrace it. Own it. Keep it. Go whatever it takes to, to make it part of yourself. Because if you don't have wisdom, you cannot become the child, the teenager, the man or the woman that God has created you to be. Without it, we're at a loss. Seek it out. Embrace it. Make it your own. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity just to be here together. And I pray, dear God, that you would truly work in each person's life here, that we would walk, we would go, we would live with the grain, not against it. Lord God, that we would truly seek you out to become more like your son, Jesus Christ, who had the wisdom that we desire. God, we want it. We ask for it now in your son's precious name. We ask for wisdom and discernment, Lord God. Each one of us, in, in the quietness of our own minds, ask, please ask God for wisdom right now. Say, God, I, I need your wisdom. I don't want to be, make the mistakes and, and, and have the same pitfalls and troubles that others have. Give me wisdom. Give me discernment to avoid it and to become more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Have a great, great week.